Happy Friday and welcome back to the Snakes Cast. I'm Jonathan, with me is Mandy. Hey guys. So, I need to know more about Imperial Assault. Mm-hmm. A lot of people love Descent for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. A lot of people love Star Wars for obvious reasons. They seem like two great tastes that taste great together. What sort of improvements did they make beyond what you're mentioning before? In Descent, I, again, you get to make your character your own. That's great. In, in Star Wars Imperial Assault, your character, your hero, has a backstory. Like, if you play as the Jedi, you don't have a lightsaber at the start. And there's a special quest that you go on to get your lightsaber. Mm. And then for the rest of the game, you have that. And each of the characters that you can play to the heroes you can be has their own special story that's theirs, which can come in and be part of the adventure okay. from time to time. So. In any given uh, episode that you're doing, in any given particular adventure where you're going in to do a mission and fight stormtroopers and do all that stuff, one of the one of the heroes might have something going on in that mission that is pertinent to them specifically, and to right. do with their story and with their personal uh, character arc, which is amazing. Yeah, I was wondering, like when I first heard of Imperial Salt, how they were going to bring that you bring your own energy and story to the character because I just mm-hmm. assumed that you were. Han Solo or Luke Skywalker, but this makes a lot more sense and actually makes it sound a lot more appealing. Yeah, Han and Luke show up to help you. Right. Uh, and Darth Vader shows up to kill you. Like, if the moment that figure hits the board, it's just like, you better have a change of he pants He might just want to teach you how to crochet. You never <laughs> I think you're thinking about a different Darth Vader. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, you had to crochet your neck. So <laughs> There was there were there were other things too that I think you were mentioning that you enjoyed about it. Yeah, so when my my friends were going through their own campaign with Imperial Salt, they started telling me about um so one of the major f- kind of flaws that I don't like in Descent is you roll to attack, you know, you you've got all these awesome dice uh and you you're rolling them to like deal a lot of damage to the overlord and then that pesky blue die rolls you a big fat X and just nullifies the entire attack. So it's kind of like frustrating cuz like when you visualize it in your head, you're like, "Okay, I'm going to swing my massive awesome sword and I I trip on a crack on the floor and uh fall on my face." Swing and a miss. Yeah. Whereas like in Imperial Salt, it's the defense dice that have like a dodge kind of function mm. so instead you uh so get this your overlord um can like attack you and you roll your defense dice and there's a dodge which means you completely miss the attack that was given to you and i just like that better for storytelling it just like kind of makes more sense it's not so much about you being terrible at hitting things as it is about them being really good at not getting hit exactly yeah so yeah <laughs> that's, that's definitely a mechanical improvement they also create a sort of a session play version of the game in Imperial Assault, where it's just, okay, let's have these people fight those people, and there we go. Yeah. They, so it's, you can just use it as a combat system for that. Probably my favorite campaign-based game is Arcadia Quest. Did you ever play this one? No, but I've seen the minis that were they're lovingly so painted great. for you. They're amazing. <laughs> they're, um, they're, they're little chibi-style miniatures where their heads are like about as big as the rest of their bodies. Mm-hmm. They're cute little cartoons. The way I pitched this game is that, okay, so you've watched you know Warner Brothers cartoons with Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Elmer Fudd. Imagine that kind of hyper-violent cartoon comedy with orcs and elves and goblins fighting and killing each That's other. That's pretty rad. That's Arcadia Quest. Yeah. So the campaign involves this city called Arcadia, which has been totally overrun by monsters. And the players are these adventurer guilds that are going in to take the city back. Right. Uh, but so, so you're all working together to accomplish quests and kill monsters and do this stuff. Uh, but there's no overlord in this game. There's mm-hmm. no GM. Uh, and also, you want your adventurer guild 
to be the one that Ooh, gets the credit for okay. this. Okay, so there's rivalry. Not just rivalry. There is straight up rabbit season, duck season, rabbit season, <laughs> duck season, murdering the other players. <laughs> Okay. And you that counts as accomplishing a quest when you murder somebody from the other team. Okay. You only get to get the benefit for that once per session though. So okay. once I've once I've murdered somebody from Scott's team, I can no longer get any more points from murdering Scott's people anymore. Aww. So it encourages me to spread the love. <laughs> I should start murdering Mandy's people and David's people now. So the game itself, what I love about it compared to something like Dissenter Imperial Assault is that it's so much lighter. That intimidation factor that you mentioned that happened with D&D and wasn't so much of a problem with Mice and Mystics, Mm -hmm. this falls very much into the Mice and Mystics school of making it clear what's going on, but in a much more freeform kind of setting where you can totally make these things your own. Uh, You can make up Spike's backstory and decide what that is because the game will give you a little bit of a bio, a little one paragraph thing, but it's always a silly bio. Right. A silly fun cartoon bio. It leaves more questions than answers almost. It does. And you've got your team of three people and right away there's a story there. How come these three people people decided to work together and form a guild they go in they have experiences they and and what makes it a campaign game is that at the end you're going to take all the gold that you took off these monsters and use it to buy better equipment and spells and stuff so your people get beefier from one session to the next and whoever won this session because each individual session is going to have a winner so it's going to be the first to do three quests so that person wins that one and they get to decide which quest we're going to do next and there's a whole bunch of easy quests. We're going to go through three of those. There's a few medium quests. We're going to do two of those. And then there's the final quest, the sixth one of the campaign, where together we face down the evil Lord Fang, the vampire, <laughs> the, Fang. The, the vam- the vampire who, uh, who's behind this whole uh, city takeover thing. And whoever kills him wins the overall campaign. Oh, okay. Nice. So there's a ton of stuff that can happen along the way. And... What I love about it is that the city remembers stuff that you did. So, for example, if in an early adventure you were the one who accomplished the quest where you free the eagles from their imprisonment, later on, when you go to a place that has lots of towers in a medium difficulty quest, the eagles remember you and they will teleport you around the board because you're awesome and they like you. So the city remembers stuff that you did. Um, but again, this is really simple stuff. This isn't like more complicated things like somebody's backstory or flashbacks and memories of their, of their, of their tragically lost spouse, but more of just, just a straight up game mechanic thing. So in, in some ways it is a more mechanical thing and a less story-based thing. There isn't a, a strong a narrative, but the narrative is there. It and sort of emerges. You've definitely pitched it in a way that's made it more appealing than ever described before. <laughs> The the storybook stuff like that what happens in Arcadia what happens in Mice and Mystics rather that we got a beautifully written story at the start of each chapter mm-hmm. Arcadia Quest just gives you one at the start of the game and from there it sort of diverges and it's it's a very dumb story people talk about how awesome the uh, the the people of the city were and all was well and how beautiful the architecture was and all was well and how the magic flowed freely and uh, there was lots of research and other goods and all was well and then this guy showed up. And all was not well. <laughs> So the fact that it's about reclaiming something that's been lost right. immediately gives you a hook. And it's more than enough to justify this fundamentally very silly but very clever little tactical game where you are beating up monsters and occasionally beating up each other because, oh yeah, you're there and you're carrying this treasure that I want, so I'm just going to hit you. And It's cartoony. It is wonderfully cartoony. It feels silly. And it maintains that all throughout. And although it gets more serious, mm-hmm. this is one of the things that I found that, that a campaign game can run into trouble with. And this is something that's been a problem with me, is that the longer I've been involved with something, the more invested I am in it. So right. the more seriously I tend to take it. It's hard to take defeat in stride 
when you've spent so many hours with this mm-hmm. person being this. Arcadia Quest manages to stop that from being a problem by being so gloriously dumb. Very nice. <laughs> and so cute. If any of the people in your campaigns ever found that there was a problem with it, they were so invested, it's like, oh, if I lose now, it's just going to be all for nothing. Yes and no. I mean, I was painfully attached to Grisbane, but uh, when he, so when he died for realsies, um, that kind of hurt, but like, I don't know. It was such a great death, though. I mean, it was such a, it's like, like a really good death scene in a story. Was like, well, that made the, the story great. I can live with this now. But, but we, I guess. We haven't really run into that problem where we invested because we've invested two and a half, three years, mm. where we reach a point where if it all fell apart, we'd really be upset just because we, I don't know, it just hasn't happened. Good, good. It's, I think one of the things that people need to bear in mind if they're going to start a campaign game is these sorts of considerations. Mm-hmm. Be aware of who you're playing with. And if, if they are the sort of person who, like me, is going to wind up getting maybe more emotionally invested than they should, uh, try to keep the emotional stakes low. Keep it light. Keep it fun. And you also need a balance team. We definitely have like our resident Max Minner, who who almost sometimes will take over your turn to make sure that you're doing everything that Not you can. Cool. Um, but you just need to like assert yourself and say, no, this may be horrible. I may you know need to be resurrected next turn but i'm doing this um so like we have a really nice balance of the person who is thinking of like the strategy um and people who are comfortable playing support roles i you know i got me just adding unnecessary amounts of narrative every 20 seconds <laughs> um you just you need all of them to be able to play it properly yeah and this and they need to fit together smoothly those interpersonal dynamics wind up being amplified it's all no matter what game you're playing the people who you're playing with are going to make the experience mm-hmm. it's even more so in a campaign game because of the investment that's involved not only in the game, but in each other's experiences. One really novel way I've seen to deal with the question of a character who's not going to be in the story forever is what they did with Gloomhaven. Mm. This is, you've heard about this, right? Yeah, I've, yes. <laughs> Gloomhaven is this giganto Kickstarter thing that costs an obscene amount of money. Your firstborn. For a child. <laughs> Pretty much. And it just gives you an insane amount of stuff. The box that this game ships in is massive, and y- y- it will throw your back out. But um, it's got a wonderfully clever element in it, whereby your character changes and grows and becomes more powerful over the course of the game. But once their personal story is complete, they retire. And now you pick a new character and play as them. And there's every possibility that at some point during your new character's future adventures, they might meet your older character. I would love that. It'd be so melancholy and beautiful just to like passing like strangers past each other. Like, oh. And it makes it feel like it's not just uh, a story, but a world. Right. Uh, that that that, can, that will continue on its own without right. you. And you get to visit it for X amount of time and see the story of so many people. I guess that's really the uh, ultimately the the central appeal of these campaign based games is immersion, mm-hmm. a place that you can keep coming back to. Yeah, that feels like you know this place, you I mean, know in, these people. In literature, that's what I tend to look for. My favorite books are the ones that I can imagine other stories in that verse. Mm. So, like um, His Dark Materials by Philip Pullman, or Lord of the Rings, or Harry Potter. The culture, like, exactly. <laughs> like you, it doesn't necessarily have to be the story that you were told. But you can imagine all these other stories in it because the world that was built around you was so full and rich. Mm-hmm. 
One of the things that's, that's an interesting contrast I've seen in video games is between the Bioware games, where all the lore that they've given you for Dragon Age or Mass Effect or whatever, they're going to make sure that every single bit of writing that they've done for this is going to become relevant to your story. Compare that to something like The Witcher, and not every bit of lore is going to be there. This world is bigger than you, mm-hmm. and you're not going to see every part of it, and not every part of it cares about you. Gloomhaven is going to be interesting to sort of see what pans out, because it's a huge investment of time for people who want to play it. But I want to get a sense of, 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 of after people have had a chance to, to really go through it, to, uh, to do the postmortem right. and say, how do you feel now after this is over? And seeing where it goes from there, I mean, oh, it's such an exciting time to be playing games. Uh, it's very, very lucky. Okay, I think that'll do it for our series on campaign-based games. Mandy, thank you so much for joining us. No it's problem, it's, it's been really fun. Good again. Hey. You can get in touch with us at podcast at snakesandlattes.com to say hi or suggest a topic or whatever you'd like to tell us. The Snakescast is produced by Dax Audio and music is provided by Ben Sound. Tune in again next week when we are going to talk about stuff you can get for your friends for the holidays. The opinions expressed on the Snakescast are those of the presenters and our guests and no one else's. See you next week, everyone.